God's word for today is from Revelation in chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. This is the seventh of seven letters to the seven churches, where Jesus, through the Apostle John, dictates to him, word for word, what he wants these churches to know. And this applies to the church in Laodicea. It talks about what does success look like as a church and in forgiveness, and it applies to us too. Listen to these words as Jesus speaks. To the angel, that word means messenger. We take that to mean actually the church leader or the pastor of the church in Laodicea. Right. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say... I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes, so you can see. Those whom I love. I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. You know, one place we see Jesus very often in the Bible is meals. Can you think of a few? Think of uh, Jesus instituted Holy Communion at the Passover meal in the upper room. Jesus revealed his identity to the Emmaus disciples at the evening meal, the Bible says. We read earlier that uh, the, the, the rookie disciple Matthew invited Jesus to be the guest of honor at a dinner. Right? Jesus uh, dined with Mary and Martha. Remember that when Martha was getting ready in the kitchen? And Jesus invited himself to the home of Zacchaeus for dinner and to your home too. Well, you know, it, I guess... You, you prayed the prayer after all, right? The one that, you, you know, you always say before the meal, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. And there he is. He's at your front door, knocking, looking for dinner. That's what Revelation 3 says. So, let's dive into Revelation 3 today and see how it applies to Jesus as he invites, yourself, invites himself to your house for dinner, and what he loves more than anything for dinner is a hot mess. All right, here we go. So after Jesus rose and ascended and, and went into heaven, the early Christian church began to form small congregations or small churches. They began in the Palestine area where Jesus lived and worked and walked, and then those eventually spread. It spread. Those churches were planted southwest to the northern part of Africa, like Carthage. Churches were planted 
in inland Asia, and then around the Mediterranean Sea to the northern coast of the Mediterranean Sea, all the way up into the, into the Greek peninsula, okay? So one of those churches was Laodicea. Laodicea is uh, located, here's some background information about Laodicea. So Laodicea is located on, on the Roman road that goes from inland Asia and stretches all the way over to the Mediterranean coast. Therefore, Laodicea has uh, trade and communication as one of its major components of it as a city. Also, further Laodicean background, not only trade and communication, but Laodicea was a wealthy banking center. And so, uh, proven by this, uh, its, its wealth was so great that during the great earthquake in 60 AD, the wealthy Laodiceans said to the federal government, said to the Roman Empire, hey, Roman Empire, we don't need your help. Federal government will take care of rebuilding our city ourselves. That's how self-sufficient Laodicea was. All right, they also had this shiny black fabric. It was strange. It was, it was glossy and, and unique to Laodicea. And so they... they generated some textile manufacturing and created this highly popular fashion statement of these shiny black clothes. They were all the rage. And Laodicea had a school of medicine. And at this school of medicine, they developed this ointment that was put on eyes that could cure eye diseases. So this, I mean, Laodicea was a city that had it going on. They had the best entertainment They had a theater district. They had upper-class homes. And in the middle of it all was this Christian congregation. And just like Laodicea, this Christian congregation, I mean, man, they, on Yelp, they had a five-star rating. Okay? They, I mean, guests would come to this church in Laodicea, and they would say, man, this beautiful building and uh, multimedia and the music and the message, man, they got it all going on. We're We're not church shopping anywhere else. We're going to stay here. If the pastor in Laodicea would have challenged his church to dig more deeply into daily Bible reading and prayer and to forgive that person that is so difficult to forgive and to strive higher for living lives of discipleship and obedience and and, and to witness to friends, more friends, and invite them to church and to consider Sunday morning non-negotiable on their calendars. The people, the, the church members would have said, Pastor, Pastor, uh, we have strong faith. We're, we love Jesus, and that's good enough. We're fine, thanks. And that's why Jesus shows up. And here's... What Jesus begins by saying this. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. Jesus identifies himself in two ways. One, he's a reliable source of information. He's the Amen. Amen means truth. Jesus is saying, I'm the truth. and I'm, What I'm bringing you is absolutely true. And not only that, but he's the ruler of God's creation. He has the power to back up what he says. And here's then what he continues saying. I know your deeds. He's talking to the church in Laodicea. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. 
So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. So this is interesting. In, in the previous six letters, this is the seventh of seven letters. In the previous six letters to the six other churches in the area, in every letter, Jesus speaks to the church and he has words of rejoicing about good behavior and words of rebuke and repentance about bad behavior. This is the only letter where there are no words of rejoicing. There is no affirmation, no commendation from Jesus to the church in Laodicea. There's only rebuke and repentance for what is bad. And what is bad? They're lukewarm. And why is it bad? Because Jesus says, you make me sick. You people turn my stomach. You make me gag. You nauseate me. Not quite what you want for your dinner, guess, is it? So I think it's important for us to say, wow, uh, that's bad. I don't want Jesus to feel that way about me. So what does it actually mean to be lukewarm? And Jesus himself tells us, well, later on in verse 19, when Jesus says to the Laodicean church, I want you to be earnest and repent. Okay, that word earnest in the original Greek language of the New Testament in the Bible, that word earnest is zealous. It's where we get our word zealous. Now, what's very interesting is that the, the root meaning in the Greek language for the word zealous, the root meaning is jealous. And you see how they go together. Because when you're jealous for something, you have this burning desire for it, right? When you're jealous for someone or something, you, you burn with passion. You, you burn with an interest for their love. You, you, want, you want to have them and hold them, and, and you want them to have you and hold you too. And so you're, you're burning with desire for them. That's being, that's being jealous. And Jesus says to the Laodiceans, you're not jealous. You don't, you don't burn with zeal for me. All oh, the church in Laodicea, they, they believed what they were supposed to believe. They they did what they were supposed to do. They, they loved Jesus, but with, you know, with moderation. Not, not, not too extreme. They, they didn't want to be so on fire for the Lord. So let's, let's just take it easy here, Jesus, okay? Well, you're, you're here. We, we know you're around. They weren't so high on having any kind of feeling or sense of awe and wonder in their faith. Not really into intimacy and opening up their hearts and letting Jesus in. Yeah, that was for those other churches. Thanks, Jesus, but, but no thanks. We'll just, tell you what, Jesus, we'll just keep you around you just hang right outside the door. You just, you just be right there. And, and when we need you, we can call on you. And we'll appreciate you as much as we appreciate the pizza delivery guy. 
And Jesus says, that thought makes me want to vomit to the Laodicean church. So that's a challenge to any Christian, to any church, but there's something special about the Laodicean church that makes this an even bigger challenge, and here it is. Jesus, in verse 17, you say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. Key statement there, do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So here's what made this a unique challenge in the Laodicean church. There is a direct link between being wealthy and well-dressed, between being smart enough, maybe even brilliant enough, to go to the church with the right doctrine in town, between being accomplished enough to live in a good neighborhood, there's a direct link between all those things and being distasteful to Jesus. And the link is this. It's very hard, spiritually speaking, to be all those things. And what I'm saying there applies to 98% of Americans. Don't think that you're not in that group. You are, and I am. We're achieved, we're accomplished, we're rich Americans. And Jesus himself said it's harder for a rich man to get in the kingdom of heaven than a camel to the eye of a needle, right? This is very complicated and very difficult to be in the position that the Laodiceans were in and that you and I are in as North Americans and not be distasteful to Jesus. Because here's what happens. Those things are good things. They're even blessings from God. We, and, and we love those possessions and the positions of our world, but what happens is that our possessions begin to possess us. And our positions begin to put us in place instead of us, them. And we begin to not only like that, but need that. And then our, our love and our, our jealousy, our passion, gets out of whack, gets out of order. And oh, we have jealousy, we burn with passion, but not for Jesus, but for all the rest. And we say, you know, Jesus, I, I'm, a, I'm a good Christian. I mean, I, thanks, Jesus. I know I'm saved by grace. I, I get to church. I, I try to behave with the best morals. Um, you know what? That's good enough for me, thanks. Uh, I, I got this. I got the rest. I'm good. We're not as hot for Jesus as we should be. We're lukewarm like the Laodiceans. And the words that he's saying right here are words that apply to this church. And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I wish I was part of a church that was more on fire for the Lord. I wish I was part of a church that burned with passion for Jesus. And then I realized this. Uh, I'm part of the problem. I make Jesus the eater of my leftovers my lukewarm leftovers as much as any of you do. And so here we are. Lukewarm Laodiceans. Jesus says, when you're lukewarm to me, I just want to spit you out. 
and we're not jealous for God or as, as jealous for God as we are for our comfortable, easy, convenient, wealthy, do whatever we want in our calendar lives. I ask, what kind of church is that? And part of the answer is here from Martin Luther King Jr. This, this is a statement that Martin Luther King Jr. made while he was in prison in Birmingham, Alabama. And you remember why he was in prison and what he stood for. That was a zealous, jealous, burning with passion man. And here's what he says about church. There was a time when the church was very powerful, a time when the early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular modern opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Small in number, they were big in commitment. They were too God-intoxicated to be intimidated. By their effort and example, they brought an end to such evils as infanticide and the gladiatorial contests. Things are different now. The judgment of God, however, is upon the church as never before. If today's church does not capture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity, forfeit the loyalty of millions and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century. That's convicting, convincing, and inspiring. That leaves me wondering, oh boy. Let's listen to someone else for as much or more conviction as much or more inspiration and some promises that are the answers for us personally and for me as a pastor and for our church. And they're coming from our Savior. Because don't forget, he's invited himself over. There's lukewarm leftovers on the counter and Jesus says, I can't wait to come for dinner and here I am. Here's what he says. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. White clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It's so interesting that, let me ask this. Whose church is it? Right here. This, whose church is this? Pastor Darren's church? Pastor Patterson's church? President Jonah's church? Whose church is this? Jesus' church. Whose church is the church in Laodicea? Jesus' church. Who's on the outside of this church knocking on the door? Jesus is outside of his own church knocking on the door to get into his church. It's like when I lock myself out of an app because I forget my password. Ugh! Except I do that to myself. Jesus didn't do this to himself. The people did that to Jesus. But here's the point. Here's the reality here. He's there. He's here. 
He hasn't run away. He hasn't said, that's it, I'm going to another church where people are on fire and there's no lukewarm leftovers on me and the door is open, I don't have to knock and I can be inside. Jesus is, Jesus is knocking. He says, I am here. And he's not showing up with a big battering ram with a helmet on. There's a funny meme I found online. You Google it. It has Jesus at a door with a battering ram and a helmet on. He's ready to break it down. That's not how he's showing up. He's not, he's not showing up in his supernatural state like he can walk through the door, like he walked through the, through the locked room to see his disciples. He's, he wants to knock. Why does he want to knock? Why is he not breaking down the door? Why doesn't he come down through the chimney? Because he wants you to answer. He wants you, he's saying, I want to dine with you. And in ancient East, Mid-Eastern culture, even today, and somewhat in our culture, dining with someone is a, is a communal, a fellowship experience. It means something deeper than casual acquaintance. It means something deeper than lukewarmness. It means I'm, I'm breaking bread with you. It, and Jesus says, I'm here because I want to be more intimate with you, closer to you, and I want you to be closer to me too. I want you to want me. I want you to be jealous for me because I'm still jealous for you. This is the same Jesus who had just said, you make me want to vomit. But now he says, but I love you anyway. But I'm willing to get messy and stinky and dirty, and I'm committed to you, and I'm not leaving you, and I'm here, and I'm knocking on the door. And now look at what he brings. Look at these words. Look at what he brings. Jesus says, I'm absolutely committed to you. I'm jealous for you. White clothes, right? White, that color white symbolizes what? Holiness, purity. Jesus says, I'm here to give you a holiness and purity that you can't earn on your own. And it's yours, just like the saints are wearing white robes in heaven, right? Or you're at a, at a fine, elegant dinner uh, with white linen, tablecloths. Jesus is giving you the best perfection and holiness. Salve that fixes our eyes so that we can see him, see his beauty, see his promises, see everything, all the blessings that he's bringing to us. And gold, he says, Jesus says, I'm going to give you so much gold that you'll be rich. But here's the kind of gold he's giving. See it? What kind of gold does he give? Gold refined in the fire. What's that all about? That takes gold, which has value in its raw natural state, and refining it in the fire gives it even more value, makes it harder and longer lasting and more brilliant, and Jesus says, the kind of gold that I'm giving you is the kind of person that I'm making you because I'm going to refine you too. In the fire of my, he says in there, of those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. God says, I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to chisel you and take the rough spots off and make you someone who has more passion for me than you ever believed you could ever have. That's gold, that's us, that's Jesus. He says, I'll give you the right to sit with me on my throne. Why does Jesus sit on his throne? Because he earned it. 
He came to this world. He, he, he fulfilled the Father's mission. He died. He was crucified. He rose from the dead. He conquered his enemies. And he sat down on the throne of his Father. And Jesus says, now I'm, I'm giving you that too because I've achieved it for you. Come here. Sit here. That's passion. That's, Jesus is jealous for you and says, I will not stop until you're jealous for me too. And so the white clothes that you wear are yours because Jesus had his clothes ripped off of him when he hung on the cross. And the spiritual riches and blessings that you and I have at our fingertips, the riches that we have in God's storehouse of treasure for us are ours because Jesus was willing to become spiritually poor. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. And, and the salve that opens our eyes so that we can truly see the beauty and glory of Jesus so we can truly desire intimacy with him so we can look at our God with more reverence and awe. What opens our eyes, that, that salve is ours because Jesus was willing to be blindfolded when his enemies were striking him with their fists and saying, prophesy who hit you and spitting in his face. Jesus burns with passion and jealousy for you. And he is so committed to you, he will never give up on you. He's at your door knocking, saying, I am here. Here for dinner. I know it might be left warm, lukewarm leftovers, but we can do a lot better than that. And you say, absolutely, Lord, we can. Come on in. Now, what does all this have to do with forgiveness? This precise point. It can be complicated to forgive someone. Some people are easy to forgive. Some people are not. I'm talking about the people who are not. And by complicated, I mean, if I forgive them, they might get the impression that I'm condoning their sinful behavior. They might get the impression that I say that what they did to me is okay and it's not. That's, that's complicating. If I forgive them, it's going to require change in me. It's going to cost me something. I'm going to have to do other things than just say, okay, it's okay, I forgive you. It, it's going to make a difference and I don't know if I want to go there. You get it? So that, that forgiveness piece can be messy. And what this all has to do with it is, is to say, Jesus was willing to endure the biggest mess ever that you and I made for us. And now he's in the mess that it can take to forgive someone else too. So be less afraid of that. Be less intimidated by that. Don't demand that you have to have it all in a nice, neat little package, and, it, and it's done, and it's good, it, it may very well be messy. And Jesus says, I love a hot mess. When you seek to experience Jesus more deeply, when you say, 
there's these areas in my life where Jesus has been on the fringe, and I don't want that anymore. When you say, I just, I need to get into my Bible more regularly and, and pray consistently, and then you don't. That's a hot mess, and Jesus loves it. He loves that you're willing to strive for a righteousness, and you make goals, and you don't, you don't, make, you don't hit them. And he loves that you're willing to jump into the mess of forgiveness and you find out that you're still afraid. And he loves it that you, you try to witness and, you, and you, you, have, you invite your friends to church and you, and you try to bring Jesus to them and you bumble all the words and you mess it all up. Jesus loves that. Because you're not shrinking back waiting for everything to be perfect. And you believe that he scrubs his disciples' toes and washes their feet. And when you're willing to go to that place, and you're willing to believe that a church can be small, but can have big commitment, and when we're willing to be God-intoxicated, and burning with a passion for him above all else, and you're willing to go there and give it a try, and it might be a mess, Jesus says, I love it. And remember, I'm already there. You're not knocking on my door. I'm knocking on yours. Here I am. Be earnest, zealous, and repent. Jesus says, and let's eat together. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Savior, these are powerful words today, even graphic in the sense that you talk about being nauseated by our lukewarmness. We, that scares us, but not so much that we're, we shrink back and we're, we're permanently afraid because your words of promise have more power in our lives. Your presence at the door of our lives and the door of our hearts makes us want to answer because we know who's there. We know you. We know your mercy and your help. Lord, make us more on fire for you. Help us to see these words and not look around us, not look at other churches, not, not just read blogs or, or surf the internet, but, but to look at your words and believe your words more than any other and, and let them infect us and impact us and intoxicate us with you. We want to be closer to you, Jesus. We want to grow deeper in our faith and we know that you want that too. Amen.